Hello, and welcome back to Real Big Mistakes, where we reevaluate a film's critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes and determine if the movies are better or worse than their reputation suggests. I'm Jason Konigsberg of PanandSlam.com. And I am Rich Tola. And Rich, it's our season finale. What movie did you pick for us to discuss? I picked the 1995 uh, movie Congo. Uh, which is um, kind of like a follow-up to Jurassic Park. Did you uh, do you remember that at all, or no? I clearly think this was jumping on the Michael Crichton bandwagon, yes. trying to be the next Jurassic Park. I mean, obviously, gorillas aren't going to be as, you know, cinematic and majestic and awe-inspiring as the dinosaurs were. But I think they were going for the same theme, the same mood, the same type of big summer special effects blockbuster. Yes, definitely. Um, so um, I, I picked this because it is rotten and it's a movie that I remember seeing a long time ago and kind of liking, but don't really remember too much about it. So um, last night was the first time I watched it again from start to finish in a long time. Um, so, and, you know, there was a lot of it that I didn't remember. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, there were certain scenes I did remember, but the movie as a whole, there was a lot that I forgot. Um, so I thought it'd be a good one worth talking about. Um, not a box office bomb by any means. No, it was a success. It wasn't a huge, it wasn't Jurassic Park, but it was not a failure. Correct. What did it make? Like 90 million, 100 million? It certainly I, made back its budget, I think. The budget was 50 million, and it made 150 million worldwide. So Okay, it, so it worldwide it was huge. Yeah, so yeah. it made a lot of money, and I do remember it was advertised a lot. I remember there were tie-ins with Taco Bell. They had, like, Congo cups with, like, the monkey, <laughs> the Amy's face yeah. on, like, some of the cups. I do remember, like, there was, like, a lava, like, a spicy taco with Taco Bell tie-in. So, there yeah, was, they um, were really trying to, you know... There market. was uh, action figures, too, from by Kenner. I think I may have known that. I think there was a video game also, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. I don't know about the there video There probably game, was. But, yeah. yeah, okay. There pro- I didn't have it, but I'm thinking there may have been a video game tie-in. It seems like a movie that would have had... A video game tie-in. In 1995, a lot of movies had video games, so... Um, right. So, you now, did you... Let's go over through our history of this movie. Did you see this in the theater? No, not even close. Oh, so when did, did you? you see it? High school, or... Um, I don't... I guess remember. we were in middle school when it came out. I definitely didn't see it when it came out. I saw it okay. later. I don't even remember where i saw it or why i saw it i i but i remember oh man i don't know i might have seen it like it might have been one of those situations where like we had a substitute for a few days and this was the movie we watched and i don't know for sure <laughs> but it, it okay. feels like that i i, I can't re- i'm tr- really trying hard to remember i remember the first time i saw it and but it definitely wasn't when it came out in theaters for sure i know that okay Okay, I guess it has, it's PG-13, so it's safe, and I guess there's some science or 
jungle zoology uh, you know botany related uh, yeah. things or geology with the lava and stuff i don't know um so i guess there, there's some educational value to this movie uh maybe sign language i don't know but um <laughs> yeah maybe uh my my background is completely different i remember exactly where i was i saw this opening weekend uh reason why this was my sixth grade birthday party was wow. me and like 10 or 12, 15 friends, we met at a pizza place, or my parents, you know, they bought a bunch of pizzas and sodas for us, and we had the pizzas, you know, and then we walked over and saw the movie, we saw Congo, and uh, I remember I chose this because Die Hard with a Vengeance was rated R, and I wasn't sure if... You know, people would be allowed to see that, which also came out that summer. And this was this weekend, so it worked out really well. Uh, Like, it was like my birthday. It was maybe a a week or two before my birthday. I don't remember. It wasn't exactly on my birthday, but my sixth grade, I guess, turning 12 years old birthday party was to see Congo in the theaters with my parents and a bunch of friends. So I definitely remember where I was when I saw it. Um, Saw it with a lot of people. And uh, I definitely remember liking it. And I remember it playing on HBO a lot in the following years. And maybe not watching it start to finish all the time. But definitely, you know, altogether I was fairly familiar with this movie over the years. uh, Of it being on HBO throughout the mid to late 90s um do you remember uh liking it on your birthday party i mean i know it's your birthday so you're probably in a good mood but yeah yeah no and i did like it i mean i didn't love it it wasn't uh but you know it was it delivered what a 12 year old boy i think would have wanted from a movie called congo um and i did actually i think shortly after that i did read the book similar but very different if that makes any sense like the plot structure is the same but there's certain things i guess that would have been unfilmable and they definitely took a lot of stuff out and shortened it i think there was more mystery to the book obviously with the solomon's minds and the hunting and the poaching Mm -hmm. and uh more science like kind of like jurassic park had a lot of science stuff and they did explain it fairly well in the movie but there was significantly more in the book um this one same kind of thing so book as like just like with jurassic park and with 99 percent of other book to movie adaptations the book was significantly better but uh i had fun with it and i you know at the time enjoyed this movie for sure so yeah okay um all right yeah i mean so it came out what 95 which is what two years after jurassic park Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so like you said, riding the Michael Crichton wave. The the book. Uh, when do you know when Jurassic Park was written? No, I don't actually. I want to say early. Well, the movie was ninety three. I honestly don't know. I think this book was written in the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, it I'm was nineteen eighty. Sure. I think it was written. Okay, yeah. What year was? I don't know what year Jurassic Park. I can was look. At, I, I can find it real quick. Um, okay, yeah, that I don't know. But what's interesting, as we know, Spielberg directed um, Jurassic Park. Frank Marshall directed this movie. Are you familiar with Frank Marshall at all? His name? Uh, yeah, sure. He's a uh, he's a big time Spielberg producer, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think he produced all the Star Wars. I think he produced the uh, certainly all the Indiana Jones. A ton of Spielberg movies. He definitely produced Jurassic Park. And then I guess in the early '90s, he wanted to stop being a producer and start directing. And uh, he directed a few movies. I think Congo was his third and maybe final theatrically released film as a director. 
Do you know what the other two movies Frank Marshall directed were? Um, well, you should also note that he's married to Kathleen Kennedy. Who's another big-time producer for practically every Spielberg movie and a lot of Star Wars movies. Well, now, so, yeah, yes, now she's the CEO of Lucasfilm. Okay, yeah, so she they both have more money than <laughs> we could imagine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but, uh, but they're, um, you know, husband and wife producing team. But he directed, I think he directed three movies starting in 1990 and Congo once again like you said it was a financial success but the critics ripped it to shreds it was a lot it was i think it was on Siskel and Ebert's one of their worst of the year uh lists so it was very critically panned um yeah but I, actually it wasn't Ebert cuz Ebert liked it so it must have been Siskel uh Ebert did give it uh, 3 stars and a thumbs up i did watch that over this past week to prepare for this podcast um okay so uh yeah yeah what he were you uh, say he directed Arachnophobia, um, mm-hmm. which was I had looked that up. It's much higher rated than I thought on, on Rotten Tomatoes. I love Arachnophobia. What's it? What's its rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Ninety three. Okay, that, okay, that's very. I wasn't expecting it to be that high. I really <laughs> like Arachnophobia. It's it's scary. It's funny. It's a good combination of the two. Um, that's a fun popcorn movie, and I saw that. At a young age, maybe early. I always, when I remember people say, you know, what's the first horror movie you saw? I always go Jaws. And then I think shortly after Jaws, I saw Arachnophobia and the Birds. So I guess like creature features. I yeah. don't know. Shark, fear of shark, fear of birds, fear of spiders uh, were sort of the first three horror movies. But Arachnophobia, did you like Arachnophobia? Yeah, I remember liking it. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember okay. liking it as a kid. Like bat, killer spiders, right? It's fun. It holds up. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So John Goodman is funny in it. Yeah, he's like. Uh, I think that was one of his first. Yep, that was one of his first big roles in a movie. Jeff Daniels is good in the lead, it, and it feels kind of like a Spielberg film, that lighthearted popcorn feel, but still like you know Jaws or Jurassic Park. It definitely has some legitimate scary moments. Um, I think. And uh, Frank Marshall also directed Alive. Did you ever see Alive? Yeah. I never saw Alive. Is it good? Ooh, really? Uh, I think I, I remember. I saw that young, you know, probably younger than I should have. Um, okay. And yeah, I, I remember it being good. I mean, it's it's a horrible <laughs> situation that those people were in. But mm. do you know what it's about? Yeah, plane crash, and I think they resort to cannibalism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it uh, is it considered rotten? Could that be one that we do for season three? Uh, it is 59%, so just rotten. That could be one that we do. Okay, I have never seen a live. It was never on my radar to see. No one ever said you have to see it. And I guess, once again, like my, my youth, my childhood, if it wasn't on HBO, we didn't have Showtime or any of the other movie channels, so that was kind of like my gateway to a lot of movies. And if it played on HBO, I would see it. If it never, hence Congo, uh, besides just seeing in the theater, if it never played on HBO... I, you know, I missed out on that. I don't ever remember seeing that one playing. So. Okay. Um, and he also directed Eight Below, which I never saw, but is surprisingly never not rotten. <laughs> what is Eight Below? Um, it is I never a, even heard of that. you got to tell me what that is. It, it's a movie about um, dog sled racing, I think, with um, uh, the guy that died that was, in the, that was in the Fast and Furious movies. Paul Walker? Yes, I think he's in okay. that. Okay. All right, I so it must have come out, I guess, in the 2000s? 2006, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, because he died in 2013, 14? I yeah. don't remember exactly, but, yeah, he died 
Uh, yeah, okay, so, and he but wasn't he's, famous he, until, like, Fast and Furious 1, which was 2001, so that's a big gap between, uh, for directing, at least, between, um, Congo and 8 Below, which, I mean, I'm sure I may have seen the trailers for it at the time, but it's certainly not a movie I ever saw. No, um, he's definitely, and, and Frank Marshall's definitely known more for his... Uh, producing than he is mm. his directing and yeah no he may um, be producing just for a hobby or just for I feel like doing something different but yeah he's definitely a prolific producer with some of the biggest you know like you said Spielberg movies and Star Wars movies some of the biggest movies of all time yeah he also has a very small role probably uncredited in Raiders of the Lost Ark as what uh you know the scene with the uh, plane where um Indy fights the mechanic guy the big Butch guy by the, yes. uh, in the plane. He is the pilot of the plane that is trying to shoot him, but keeps having to stop because the other guy keeps getting in the way. Never knew that. Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting cameo. All right. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. You, you, I, the, the way I know James Bond, you know Indiana Jones. Exactly. Which, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say you might know Indiana Jones better because there's four movies. Well, there's only four instead of 24. As opposed to 25. Yeah. Or yeah. 26, I guess, if you count Never Say Never Again. Uh, so, yeah, there's uh, a lot less to know, but you certainly, I will never uh, doubt you on anything Indiana Jones related. So. All right. Well, we talked about the director. Let's talk about the cast. Yeah, not much more to say about the director. He's more of a producer. Yeah. Yeah, he directed a few movies, too. Um, none were huge hits, but none were massive flops, either. I guess Congo was that was probably his biggest hit, financially, because there was so much marketing pumped into that movie to be a big summer blockbuster of 1995. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have Dylan Walsh is uh, Dr. Peter Elliott. I mean, I don't know if that there's really a lead in this movie. They all kind of have, sh- kind of have equal amount of screen time. Um, I would say him and Laura Linney, and then Ernie Hudson right behind. Them. Yeah, I, don't know. I guess because Dylan Walsh is a man, and I guess it's more traditional to give. It's not like there's a major star. You no, know, like if Dylan Walsh was played by Harrison Ford, I'm thinking, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, obviously they and uh, Frank Marshall, they obviously cross paths a lot, I would assume. So, yeah, if it was an actor of that stature, then, yeah, he certainly would have been. I guess Dylan Walsh was hoping to be like the Sam Neill of this movie. Not that we're <laughs> yeah. hoping for that sort of, yeah, he's not a big star, but, you know, he, he, he became synonymous with Jurassic Park and he's been in other movies, so. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't do know, know him for much. I, I don't know him from anything, really. I, I, I think he was his... on the show Nip Tuck, um, which I never saw. He was in a movie that I really like with Paul Newman. He plays Paul Newman's son. It's called Nobody's Fool. Did you ever see that movie? No, but I've I've heard of it. Yeah, probably for me talking about it, I really like. I think I've mentioned that a few times on this podcast. Um, yeah. But he was good in that, uh, and he was also in a Clint Eastwood movie called Bloodwork. He plays a uh, like a cop, and it's a cop detective movie uh, from the early two thousands, like two thousand one or two thousand two. Um, I remember really liking that movie for what it was. Uh, also with Jeff Daniels in that movie, too, who was in the lead in Arachnophobia. Um, so that's all I can really say about Dylan Walsh off the top of my head. And Yeah, yeah. there's not much. I don't have much to say about him at all. Okay. I, I, nothing, I really, nothing really sticks out. I mean, I've heard of a lot of things he's in, and I guess I've, I probably watched the first few episodes of Nip Tuck when it first came out. And mm-hmm. so I guess I probably saw him on that, but I don't really remember. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Laura Linney, the other lead, is um, famous these days for uh, Ozark. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but she's been in a lot of things. I remember oh, her. Tons of movies. Yeah, great character actress throughout the 90s and 2000s. I don't know how many Oscar nominations she has, but she definitely has a few. Uh, never won. Um, what, what are some of your favorite or most memorable roles with her besides Ozark? Um, Ozark, um, she was in the movie Dave, but it's a very yes. small part. <laughs> She a good part though. She's the one that's having the affair with the president. Yeah, who passes yeah, yeah. out he, on top of her. Yep. Yeah. That was a yeah. That's a, so a small but memorable role for sure. Same kind of role. She had the same kind of role. Did you ever see Searching for Bobby Fisher? No. She has a good role as the student, the Josh Waitskins, the little boy, his teacher, and she like tries to press push the dad into like you know get him to letting him know how obsessed he is with chess and the dad just rips into her and like you know you think i'm a rotten father well i'm not and he's better at this than anything you'll ever be in in your life you know and so yeah that was a good scene um off the top whenever i think of laura linney i think the, the role that i think of for her was uh the female lead in the truman show yeah that's what i think that's the first thing that comes to mind when i think of her yeah. So, and then and then the next thing you think of when you think of the Truman Show is me uh, gardening. Gardening, yes. <laughs> leading back and yes. Uh, so, uh, but yes, yeah, she's been in a. T- she got an Oscar nomination, I think, for the movie Kinsey. She was nominated for the Savages with. Um, uh, her and Philip Seymour Hoffman are like uh, I think they're brother and sister, and they have to take care of their senile uh, or alzheimer's stricken father uh something like that i remember that being a very good movie but yeah tons of great stuff there love actually tons of great stuff throughout the uh 90s and 2000s laura linney so very very talented hard-working actress yep um ernie hudson we talked about him when we did ghostbusters 2 so i don't think there's mm-hmm. too much more to add uh but although this is a uh, a big role for him and from what i've read it's his favorite role that he's done he has said that this is his favorite role and i well uh I've, i do remember from listening to you know i have a friend who has a talk show uh on the radio and i listened to him interview ernie hudson and he kind of confirmed it there also that congo is one of his favorite roles i thought of humphrey bogart watching this i guess bogart and the african queen but he said he modeled his character what's his name monroe monroe Uh, yeah yeah he modeled his character after clark gable and uh, with the mustache i really see that he's he's basically like a black clark gable in this movie Mm -hmm. i'm your great white hunter who happens to be black uh he's really good (laughs) in this and he did say on he does like it when people compliment him on movies other than ghostbusters because he said at least once a day someone will smile at him and go up to him and say who you gonna call like he's never heard that before so uh yeah but you know I loved him in this. I loved him in uh, in Oz. And when we get to talking about another actor who's in uh, Congo, I, I'll bring up Oz again because there's an interesting connection between him and the other actor uh, in Oz. Uh, I loved he was in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. He was in The Crow, a great, you know, action comic book superhero movie from the 90s before superhero movies were the only types of movies that we were released in theaters, pretty much. And mm-hmm. uh, I really liked Ernie Hudson also. He was in Airheads. He was in, uh, what's it, uh, The Substitute.
substitute with Tom Berenger. I really liked him as the villain yeah. in that. So, yeah, he has had a really nice body of work as a character actor. He was in the Mr. Magoo movie with uh, Leslie Nielsen. Was he? <laughs> not saying it's good. Yeah, it's not good, but hey, he was, you know, <laughs> I feel like throughout the 80s, since from Ghostbusters up until... I don't know, the late 90s, early 2000s, I feel like he was in a lot of stuff. And then he just kind of just stopped. What's the last thing you saw Ernie Hudson in? Congo. <laughs> no, oh, God, okay, well, he did stuff. No, he was never... in uh, Ghostbusters uh, that we just oh. saw. Yes, he was in the new Ghostbusters, and he was also in the Ghostbusters with the women. That's right. Both yes, he was in both of them. Basically yeah. cameos. Uh, yeah. So, yes, I guess if you count that, then sure. But, uh, yeah, I remember seeing him in an episode of Modern Family. It was like him and Chaz Palminteri, another good actor that was popular. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that, yeah. You know what I'm talking yep. about. They're like Jay's friends. They're his friends, they just, yeah. Yeah, they just show up, and I was like, hey, that's Ernie Hudson. What's he doing here? So, yeah, uh, yeah that's the last most recent thing I've seen him in, other than two not-so-good Ghostbusters movies. Okay. Um, yeah. Tim Curry, we talked about him when we did Home Alone 2. Um, yep. So... Um, Honestly, probably his worst performance that I've ever seen. I completely disagree with you. Really? As Herkama Homolka? Oh my god, he's so funny in this. He's so See, and I think if you read or listen to Roger Ebert's review, you got to look at this movie through a certain light. I think it no it you can't take it too seriously. But you can st- you can have fun with it. I think it's a this is a you know a popcorn movie, and he delivers a good, fun, over the top, hammy, scenery chewing popcorn performance, as he does in so many other movies, from Rocky Horror Picture Show to Home Alone Two to I mean, people I didn't like his Pennywise in the ABC miniseries version of it, but other people do. So he's he's what you get if you cast Tim Curry in this type of role. This is what you're going to get. If you didn't want Tim Curry to act like that, then you shouldn't have hired Tim Curry. I think he did the best that he could have done with this material. I yeah, I, again, I'm me saying that this is his worst role doesn't isn't a knock on the role. It's just he's I I don't know. I I've like his other things better. I don't think he was bad in this movie. Although at times I kept I kept waiting for him I kept waiting for the whole uh, Romanian accent to be like a, a joke. Like he, we, we were going to find out that he wasn't actually Romanian <laughs> or something, and he was just going to drop it. No, but no, he no, actually no. was. <laughs> no, he was. Yeah, whatever the philanthropist or whatever. He has some of my favorite scenes. Either involve him or he's, yes, yeah, he's definitely. He's memorable. And you know what? That's what you could say about Tim Curry is always memorable. Um, I guess his defining role may be Clue. Clue or Rocky Horror Picture Show. But like we both said, my introduction to Tim Curry was Home Alone 2. So I do uh, it all for me with Tim Curry. As much as I like him in this movie, and I've liked him in other movies, uh, obviously, uh, Tim Curry is just, uh, that's the one that sticks out in my head just because of when I saw it, I think. so. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that some of the, uh, some of the best scenes are the most funny, the funniest scenes in this movie involve him. Um, 
but it's just a bonkers role. Um, the way he says zinge, the diamonds are real. The way he says it, he's just the delivery is just so like. It's, yeah, I guess I, I guess if you're not looking at it, for, if you're looking to take this movie literally and seriously, then you're gonna think he's horrible because he's so. No one talks like that, Romanian or not. Right. No <laughs> one talks like that. So, but there's tons of movies where people act over the top and overly dramatic to you know. Well. Uh, is yeah. well, let me ask you this: Is this movie take? Doesn't this movie take itself seriously? I, f- I don't. I don't think I this movie was trying to be a joke. I, th- I don't think Ernie Hudson takes his part. Well, when we get to the okay, I'll jump ahead. There are two performances to savor in this movie, in my opinion. Okay, Tim Curry is one. Ernie Hudson, absolutely. If you want to see, if you said, Jason, what's the best performance of Ernie Hudson? Uh, obviously, his best movie would be Ghostbusters, but his best performance. This might be it. I named a lot of other things. Well, besides his TV role in Oz, um, and I do like his performance in The Crow, and I think he makes a really good, hateable, detestable villain in The Substitute, but I think this is his best performance. Yeah, I mean, and he, I think he he's is fun. good. He's it. fun. He's great. He's just like, you know, like they. it's it's almost like you could be shooting at him and not a bullet isn't going to hit him. It won't even mess up his hair. He's just got exudes this coolness that he doesn't exude in a lot of other performances. So I think this shows his versatility. Um, I feel like he's on a different level than intentionally than Laura Linney and uh, Dylan Walsh, and because there's just you know he's just like so smooth and so cool, and like a Clark Gable or like a Humphrey Bogart, where nothing's gonna mess with this guy, you know, almost like Steve McQueen. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. if Steve McQueen ever made a Jungle picture, so uh, I think those are great performances. And there's one other performance to savor when you go down the cast that I'll say, and that performance is fantastic uh much smaller but uh we'll we'll keep going down the cast if you and we'll get to that oh i'm afraid of what you're gonna say um grant has <laughs> grant Heslov is plays richard he's kind of um dylan walsh's uh sidekick i don't know another his, scientist his lackey his yeah, intern his helper what else do you know grant Heslov from because i'm gonna tell you something that you should know him for a fact about him that you should know but oh. he's he and i feel like in the mid 90s he was a character actor and of movies like yeah he was he's been in a lot um i know he is in um true lies true lies he was arnold and uh tom arnold uh, arnold schwarzenegger and tom arnold's helper assistant there in the van um what else anything else that you can think and he of? was he was that was a big role for him so he was funny yeah he was very movie. good he was funny in that he's he was, he was better in that than he is in this i think that because that was a better movie uh but uh i he was in black sheep with uh Farley i don't remember him in black sheep but he was in dante's peak i remember he was obsessed with coffee he was in, in that movie. dante's peak yes coffee coffee doesn't he say something Java. like that or whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah he said it was just like the one funny comic relief moment in that otherwise uh, serious and rather dour movie. I wasn't a fan of Dante's Peak, but... Um, no, he was in The Scorpion King. He was in... Oh, what else was he in? Oh, my God. If you look at his filmography between 1994 and 1998, I feel like he was in a ton of, you know, big movies that I just... I'm blanking on what else he did. But uh, besides acting... He is a producer, and I'm sure he's produced a ton of movies that you are aware of, if you haven't seen them, and they're good movies. He's George Clooney's producing partner. Yes, I I know he's a very successful producer. 
Uh, not Frank Marshall successful, but I don't think very few. Maybe Jerry Bruckheimer might be, or the, the guy who does the Marvel movies might be more successful than Frank Marshall, but that's about it. Otherwise, yeah, this guy, uh, he produced Argo. I think he won a Best Picture produ- for producing Argo, because uh, I know that one Best Picture. I don't know if he actually got an Oscar. Uh, all the George Clooney movies that he's directed, a lot of the movies that George Clooney's acted in and produced. Uh, so things like Up in the Air, uh, Good Night and Good Luck, um what else the descendants yeah so he's a tremendous you know big big time producer uh working with george clooney a lot of the time so good for him <laughs> so uh yeah now now is uh our time for our um our seinfeld connection as well grant hesloff is in a seinfeld episode okay i really did not know that one at all you're gonna have to tell me which episode that's because he is uncredited um, well, that's he, still, I would recognize the fate. I don't think I've, the Seinfeld credits go too fast also for me to ever really read anything. This is really, this is a really deep, deep one and a small one. Maybe you can picture it in your head like I can, um, if you know the episode well. But did you ever see the, well, I'm sure you've seen it, the one where Jerry's car smells like B.O.? Yeah... At what the very at the movie? very end of the episode, he sees a guy on the street and he just throws the car or he just he leaves the car keys in the car on purpose because he knows the guy's gonna take it. Grant Heslov is the guy that gets in the car and then makes a really bad face once he sits in it. What and else happens in that episode? Because I'm not remembering that moment. That's pretty much the whole I don't remember the other subplot. There's a whole episode about Jerry's car smelling. I don't remember. Like BO, that. they try to return it and then it rubs off on anyone else that was in the car. You don't remember that? Not what season? I I, I think yeah. it's 4. Oh, that's one of the best seasons. It yeah, is. It's not. It's not sticking out. I guess. I guess it's surrounded by so many other better episodes that it gets yeah. forgotten. Um, yeah, that's not ringing a bell. Well, watch no. it again if you. Ha- it's on Netflix now. So okay, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in season four, I will look out. For, season four, episode for, twenty-one. What's the, and what's the name of the the smelly episode? car? Smelly car. That really says it. Okay, there's not much <laughs> else to that one. Um, but uh, I'll look for Grant Heslov in that. And that was probably in the mid-90s, right, when he was yeah. having all these huge movie roles. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Grant Heslov is, is a good producer, good actor. Now, he made a nice transition from acting to producing. Um, uh, so there's, yeah. there's two... Well, there's one more... Okay. So there's one more credited person worth talking about, and then there's two uncredited. The last credited person is Joe Don Baker, who basically is just an angry person in this movie. You can tell he filmed all his scenes in a day. Um, yes. He's only got about three, and he just screams and yells the whole all time. All he does is scream. Now, if you want to say this is a bad performance, where you said, Tim Curry, this is the worst Tim Curry you've ever seen, I'm going to disagree with you that. I'd have to think about what a worst Tim Curry performance is. But Joe Don Baker is just, this is overacting. And, oh, it's terrible. I mean, where are the diamonds? Where are the diamonds, Dr. Ross? All he does is scream. Like, I think every, it's like the way Arnold Schwarzenegger had a cold freeze ice pun in Batman and Robin. I think he doesn't say a sentence without screaming diamonds. Okay. Uh, in every moment of this movie. And, and so, yeah. not only that, he tells the worst lie in the history of of. Uh, a movie the- a movie where he says, oh, yeah, it's about my son. When, when Laura Linney says, you know, I'll go, but tell me it's about finding your son and not about the diamonds. He's like, of course. 
I mean, yeah. if she actually believed him, like, what is she thinking? Because yeah, well, clearly... yeah, he's he's pretty uh, one track mind. He just wants the diamonds that he could care less about. Yeah. And that was such an things. obvious. He should have gone himself. If you care that much, geez, he should have gone himself. But uh, uh, well, there's a few other names worth mentioning. What was the one? What about who plays his son? I guess you're not a horror movie fan or a fan of cult actors so you probably don't care who plays his son i didn't know in 1995 who this guy was but now i have tremendous admiration for this actor do you know who plays his son uh bruce campbell you got it he's only in one scene of the movie but it's nice to see bruce campbell in a non-sam raimi movie or a non-evil dead movie uh Mm -hmm. do you have any uh particular (laughs) thing nice to say about bruce campbell or nothing Uh, i don't know much about him but i do believe he was in uh escape from la Yes, he was. He plays the surgeon. With yeah. like, that kind of made him look like Jay Leno with a big chin. Yeah. Okay, that's a deep cut for Bruce Campbell. That's not an Evil Dead movie or a Spider-Man movie. So I know he has a one scene role in the three Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. Oh, who is he uh, in Spider-Man? The first one. He's the first one to call him Spider-Man. It's probably my favorite scene in the movie, or it should be my favorite oh, scene. Oh, the, the announcer of the wrestling The announcer at the wrestling match. Because not only do you have Tobey Maguire as the human spider, and he goes... Spider-Man, so so he's the one who coins the phrase Spider-Man in that uh, movie, so Bruce Campbell's the ring announcer, and do you remember who was Spider-Man's wrestling opponent? No. The Macho Man, Randy Savage as Bonesaw McGraw. Bonesaw, uh, yeah, Uh, that was Macho (laughs) Man. That was Randy Savage, yep. <laughs> Roided out of his mind and with a big, thick beard. But oh, yes, geez. that was Randy Savage, yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he was in that. He's, you know, popped up in a few other random, you know, movies and shows and stuff. I love the show Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, lasted for three seasons. Um, I loved his Evil Dead movies, especially Evil Dead 2, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, he's a... Bubba Hotep was... I didn't like it, but he was good in that as Elvis. So, uh, kind of perfectly cast to play that. So, yeah, he's an actor I always like seeing. So, seeing him in this was a real, <laughs> real treat. Yeah, I mean, short scene. He's in the, for the very beginning. Um, Literally just the first scene, and then he catches... And then he's uh, dead, they throw yeah. an eye at her, and then he's dead. Or, well, we assume he's dead. So, we see his body later on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, who else is worth? Uh, there's some. There's some uncredited people worth two worth um, mentioning. Okay. Name name the two, and then I'll name a few other character actors. All right, Joe Pantoliano is, has a very small role as like they're kind of like liaison when they get to Africa. Eddie uh, Ventro. Yeah. Eddie Venture. Yeah, I liked him in that. Yeah, I've always, I always liked Joe Pantoliano. Once again, mid-90s, The Fugitive, Bad Boys. He was a very in-demand character actor, and uh, yeah, he certainly does a good job here. Uh, I managed to really hate him in The Sopranos, which uh, you've never seen, if I'm not mistaken. He was right. Ralphie Cifaretto in The Sopranos. Really, really despicable character. Oh, God, I hated him uh, for what he does to certain other people. Um but, uh, yeah, he's a good actor. And who else were you going to say? Uh, Delroy Lindo, who is probably the other person you were mentioning that has a, a you know, great, does a great job in this movie. Even though he only has one scene, it, it is one of the, be- the probably the best scene in the movie. <laughs> but is that one scene not amazing? Is he not eating up the scenery? Oh, uh, it's Just great. That one 
scene stealing scene i mean he just it's fantastic stop eating my sesame cake <laughs> and the, the with the money and he, in the paper bag and he staples he staples it, it shut don't want anyone peeking don't want anybody peeking <laughs> <laughs> the way he says it is so good and then the way he, uh to tim curry this guy with his, his little stick as he hits the side of his face this guy is a big bag of shit yeah <laughs> That, that he owes money to cool. everyone everywhere he goes. Yes, that might be the best scene. You know what? What? What the, the scene with Robert Shaw talking about the USS Indianapolis was for Jaws? Mm-hmm. That scene is for Congo, and I think that sums up Congo perfectly. It's not Jaws; it's Congo. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like that scene, you're not going to like the movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... All right, and okay, so that's really all I got. I mean, I'm sure there are a couple other character actors that make small appearances. Yeah. So did you recognize you Stuart Pankin? I did, and I wrote him in my notes because what the heck? He was in it for one split second. There had to be more to his role, right? That they there thought. might have been more, and it ended up on the cutting room floor. He's with Mary Ellen Trainer. I'm not sure if you're familiar who that lady is. Yeah, she was another Robert Zemeckis' one. wife. Okay, yeah, because you've yeah, seen she's her. Ferris she's Bueller's mom. You mean Forrest Gump's mom? Forrest Gump's mom. Sorry, that is what no. I meant. No, Ferris and Bueller. no, not Forrest. Gump. No, no, no. She's Forrest Gump's babysitter, the young Forrest, the Haley Joel Osment. She has a small part in that. Is she Forrest, Ferris Bueller's mother? I didn't realize that. She has a different haircut then. I thought she was. Look it up. I, I, she's the, if you've seen all the Lethal Weapon movies, she's the department psychiatrist or whatever. Okay. And she thinks Riggs is crazy and he shouldn't go out there. And then they turn it into where she becomes comic relief and Riggs is always playing tricks on her and she's getting embarrassed. And yeah, so she's in all four Lethal Weapon movies. She was in... Oh, what Die Hard. Yes, Die Hard. She was a news uh, announcer in Die Hard. Yeah, so there's a ton of movies where she just sort of pops up. She's just one of those faces that uh, pops up in a lot of movies. Okay. Um, so, yeah, was she Forrest Gump's no, babysitter? Forrest Gump's babysitter, yes. No, Jen- okay, I was Jenny's, right about that. Jenny's babysitter. Well, Jenny, okay, so young Haley Joel Osment, the young Forrest. Uh, it's at the end, you see her yeah, at the, yeah, like the yeah, last yeah, yeah. 15 minutes or 10 minutes before Jenny dies. Uh, yeah. When Forrest finally sees Jenny near the end of the movie, and he runs, you know, to the apartment and he meets his son. She's there. Um, but yeah, yep. she, she has as much screen time in Die Hard as she does in that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's those are a couple. Adewale Agoba, I can't pronounce his last name. He was out of BC from Oz. So remember when I said there was an mm-hmm. Oz connection? He's a big, you know, uh, black guy. I don't know if he's African. His name certainly is African. But um, him and Ernie Hudson are like best buddies in this movie. Yeah. And I know you never saw Oz, but Ernie Hudson is the warden of Oz. And Adewale is out of BC with the tiny hat is like uh, absolute, he's horrible, horrific <laughs> inmate. Uh, does kills so many people and does awful, awful things to a lot of people. So okay. they're like adversaries big time in there. And I think that's it. I don't know if there's a James Karen, who's a supporting actor, has a small role in this. Once again, like slightly bigger than Stuart Pankin's, and that's about it. So what do you know Stuart uh, Pankin from? He was in Mannequin Two, which is a tie back to our our last uh, movie. That- Okay. We talked about. He was in an 80s movie that it's probably the equivalent of you with your BMX bandits. It's called Dirt Bike Kid. 
I saw it when I was a kid. I loved it. It is streaming on Peacock right now. Really? I haven't watched it. That's a movie I haven't watched in, jeez, maybe 30 years, okay, to be honest. But I remember liking it, and he's sort of the villain. And, of course, Stuart Pankin, he was Earl Sinclair, the voice of Earl from the Dinosaurs, ABC's show Dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was that guy. He was in Arachnophobia, so maybe that was why he was in it, because Frank Marshall, maybe Frank Marshall liked directing him in Arachnophobia. He was like the putz sheriff chief that, you know, is uh, trying to put down Jeff Daniels' theory about the killer spiders and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, once again, sort of comic relief. Like we said, it's funny and scary at the same time. So that's how I know Stuart Pankin. Mostly Arachnophobia and Dirt Bike Kid. And uh, Dinosaurs, the ABC show. But you don't see him, you just hear him. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it. It's quite a cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that does it for the cast. Let's get into the movie. Um, well, we didn't do 1995 the year. Anything worth mentioning there? No, I think we've, we've done it before. Because we did 95 for Waterworld. We did 95 for Tommy Boy. So just for those that remember, Best Picture was Braveheart. Uh, my personal favorite movie was Usual Suspects. Um, and yeah, many other notable movies, uh, that came out that year, that summer, uh, Apollo 13, Casino, Heat, Toy Story, 12 Monkeys, Golden Eye. I think Batman Forever was the highest grossing film of uh, okay. 95. So yeah, so All I right. mean, number of, yeah, other big movies, Clueless, uh, came out that year, Good Nixon, one. The American President, yeah, so, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to add about the year. We've, we've discussed it. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so the, the brief synopsis is that scientist Karen Ross, played by Laura Linney, is sent by her father-in-law, Mogul. Uh, well, he's not really her father-in-law. Um, he would have been her father-in-law because she, she didn't actually marry the guy. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mogul R.B. Travis, played by Joe Don Baker, to the Congo to uh, determine the whereabouts of his son's missing diamond hunting team. Led by expert guide Kelly, uh, played by Ernie, his name is Monroe Kelly, uh, played by Ernie Hudson, Ross, and a mismatched search party, including uh, prime, primatologist Dr. Peter Elliott, played by Dylan Walsh, treasure hunter uh, Herkimer Hamolka, played by Tim Curry, and a gorilla, um, discover a danger far more sinister than anything they expected to find, even in the heart of the jungle. Um... All right, so the movie starts off with um, some scenes of like a safari, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks beautiful, like a yeah, gorgeous, lush savanna. Savanna, yeah, yeah. Um, did you uh, did you remember the trailer at all? I don't know. Okay, it had it kept having the tagline "Congo, where you are the endangered species." Jeez, uh, <laughs> uh, that sums up this movie. Um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So um, then we find out that um, uh, this team of people found these rare blue diamonds that are found near volcanoes and they need it because I don't know why they need it. I'll be honest. The plot of this movie is a little bonkers. Um, uh, yeah, it's a they, little more clear cut in the book, but here it seems like they need it for a satellite, and yeah. which actually they're going to use as a laser. Like I don't understand a laser that also cuts people in half if it touches them. Like yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's it, it leads to some cool action scenes. Cool for 1995. Yeah. Um. So yeah, somehow they need these blue diamonds, and they were found in the Congo. Um, up by this volcano, 
and while he's um, transmitting, uh, or then he, his partner finds this um, some kind of like lost city or something. They don't want really to tell you what, but um, says like, "Oh, you know, this is a big discovery. We got to send a second team out for this." You know, it's separate from the diamonds that they found, but um, mm-hmm. they're excited about it. And uh, but then the friend goes to get his bag, and uh, next thing you know, uh, Bruce Campbell's character gets an eyeball thrown at him. And he uh, then, you know, it's alluded that he gets attacked. Um, and then, Will the, you see like a gray gorilla go by on the camera in this scene or no? Uh, maybe. Or does no, that I come later? I don't think I'm you trying do. to remember. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think that's later. Um, cause yeah, I think you, but you just see Bruce Campbell looking up towards the camera and screaming that something's coming at him as he's holding that eye. Yeah, and then the um, the footage that where he's connected to Laura Linney's character in Houston, um, they all they see is that the camp was destroyed, everyone's dead, and then uh, some kind of creature comes up. That's where camera. you see the gray gorilla or yeah. the white gorilla. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They've never, there's no such thing as that in real life, so that's what they're... Yeah. Right. Um, so then um, he sends... Uh, Joe Don Baker, who is the boss, sends Laura Linney to go... Uh, get the diamond. She says, I'm not going there to get diamonds. I'm going to find out what happened to your son, who is her ex-fiance. Um, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the reason. That's the, that's the the That was the uh, the horrible lie I was telling you about before. <laughs> yes, yes. His name's Charles, right? Bruce Campbell's Charles, name is Charles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then they, uh, they end up going. Um, she ends up um, tagging on to another expedition that's already going. Um, then we're introduced to... Um, the other characters that are going on this uh, trip, well, kind of, it's um, Dylan Walsh's character. He is going to, uh, well, he's giving a presentation about how um, monkeys know sign language, gorillas know sign language, which is true. Um, but but he created a device where her sign language, her doing sign language act, uh, allows her to speak. Um, mm-hmm. So what did you think of that whole thing? I mean, I once again, 1995, it was cool. By today's standards, I feel like we have text-to-speech and all these other things that could... But then again, could a gorilla read and type? I don't know, but could a gorilla, could a gorilla do simple sign language? Yes. yes could, that, yeah. could there be a device? It looked like... Did her hand device look like the power glove from Nintendo? <laughs> it did, yes. Um, like, that's what terrible. I thought terrible. The power glove was horrible. You had it. I never had it, but I saw it. I don't think I ever actually used a power glove. But no, I, I think didn't, I all didn't my have... friends told me it was bad. I remember wanting it from the commercials, but then like the people that had it were like, "It's it sucks." I used it once and ne- never again. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so. I never had the power glove. I don't know why you think I did. I wish I did. Uh, I, well, I wished no, at I the time I did, okay. but it, I know. It was I guess terrible. we've <laughs> talked about it, or you've brought it up before, so I thought you had it. Yeah, no, reason. I never had the power okay. glove. Um, okay. But um, yeah, it's uh, it did, and and just the whole thing, the whole thing of him with the monkey, it's very odd. I mean, he was. They alluded to them having a relationship, which at times, yeah, kind of like boyfriend girlfriend. He's clearly a good caretaker for the monkey, and I guess to an outsider, which everybody else in this movie is, except for him and Grant Heslov, it does look a little funny. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, like he has to tell Laura Linney that she's ugly so that Amy doesn't get 
uh, jealous, jealous yeah, and, of a yeah. pretty woman, yeah, and like the way he feeds her the bananas and gives her the medicine. He's really and playing with her tickle tickle Amy or whatever she says. Yeah, it's it's weird, I guess, but <laughs> but I think once again, I think it's intentional. I don't think they, yeah, I mean, I think this movie was trying to be fun, silly, entertaining. The same way a movie like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin were trying to be. Okay, obviously Batman and Robin went too far, but this was trying to be like a, you know, that kind of summer blockbuster. It wasn't trying to be Jurassic Park or the 1989 Tim Burton Batman. It was going for something a little more crowd-pleasing. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it was going for Jurassic Park. But I don't know. Oh, I don't think it will. Well, well if, if it, it was, was it failed. Then it failed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm giving it, I'm giving the filmmakers, I'm certainly giving Ernie Hudson and Tim Curry more credit than that. If they thought they were making a great movie, or if they thought they were making, you know, trying to get an Oscar, then they would have given a different performance. They're both, they both are diverse, you know, talented, versatile actors that can give different, more serious performances. And here, that was not, at all what they were trying to do so they, if, it, if it was serious those two were not they were a joke that, that no one else was in on okay okay so, yeah. um so uh they they end up um amy's drawing pictures of the jungle and uh of the specifically of this yellow eye and um she she's painting and um, so they come to the conclusion that she wants to go home. Um, and so they talk about bringing her home. Meanwhile, then Tim Curry's character just literally shows up out of nowhere and is like, yes. I'll, I'll fund this trip to, to, to bring her back to the Congo. <laughs> like, out of, <laughs> literally out of nowhere. Who are um, you? I'm a Romanian philanthropist yeah. or whatever he says, searching the world for, he has this long spiel that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he offers to fund the expedition. Um, he he has he he's interested because he sees the drawings and it matches this ring that he has that he found on a safari, I guess, when he was looking for King Solomon's mines. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when yeah, so he's heard. I don't know how he saw her drawings, but again, if you if you start looking too deeply into this movie, you'll yeah, no. you'll find too many holes. Um, no, just just go with it because yeah. that's what Tim Curry did <laughs> with a funny voice. <laughs> exactly. Um, so he offers to fund the trip to bring Amy home. Did you notice when they did like a pan of like the room that Amy was in? Uh, somebody was playing Doom on a computer. Do you remember that? Did you see that? Yes, I do actually. Yes, I did. <laughs> it was yeah, Excellent. very nineteen ninety five or maybe before yes, ninety five. Definitely. But, yeah. but that was that was huge. Do- uh, Doom. That was like the first Doom. Uh, and Duke Nukem were like the Duke two Nukem, big yeah. violent computer games. I don't even think they were video games, but necessarily first person uh, shooters. Uh, yeah, yeah. Know that there were many before that. No, yeah. So yeah, without those, we wouldn't have had GoldenEye. Also, kind of, the movie came out in '95. I think the video game came out shortly after. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, Laura Linney's character tries to go with them, but um, to the Congo, but she they tell her no until they realize that uh, the Roman philanthropist actually doesn't have enough money to pay for the fuel of the plane. 
Uh, so they need her to fund the rest of the trip. Yep. She goes, you need me. Yep. yep. So, yeah, he's reluctant to take her on. But, yeah, just, I wish people would just, you know, land in my lap when I need millions of dollars or thousands of dollars uh, and help me out with uh, fun things that I yeah. <laughs> can't afford. <laughs> so Yeah, that was that worked out nicely for them. Very fortuitous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they fly to Africa. They land in Uganda. Um, they meet. That's where they meet uh, Joe Pantoliano. Do they actually say what country? See, I wasn't sure. That they... uh, I don't know if they actually said it. I'm gonna... Yeah, I don't know. I think they. they whatever this, someone takes over these, whatever the, the um, Ernie Hudson says, takes over these countries. That happens all the time, and it ends yeah. very violently. Whatever he says. So yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, African civil war governments and countries yeah. are not the most stable nations, government wise, and so yeah, there's a lot of killing and fighting and civil war and militant, you know, juntas. It seems. So they're thrown into these messes, and they can fly, then they can't fly, and that's how they meet, uh, what's his name, uh, Delroy Lindo. Yes. Uh, so first they meet Ernie Hudson, That's he becomes like their, kind of like their guide. Um, I'm your great white hunter, who happens yeah. to be black. <laughs> great lines, and his delivery is impeccable in this, so yeah, yeah. definitely channeling his inner Clark Gable, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they then get detained and questioned by Captain Wanta, who is, uh, who we just talked about. What's his name? Delroy. Delroy Lindo. Yes. Lindo, who has yeah. the best scene. He mm. rips Tim Curry apart. He makes Tim Curry literally stop eating his sesame cake and spit it out into his hand. Well, first he insists that everyone eats some of his cake. And then when he <laughs> eats it, he, he yells at him, stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> scene and a great reaction from tim curry tim curry delroy lindo and ernie hudson brought their a game to this movie it may not be the a game that you wanted in a like you like we said a jurassic park movie it wouldn't have flown in jurassic park but for this i think it's perfect and if you follow their lead you're gonna have a good time with in congo yep um so he lets them proceed after karen gives him um Laura Linney's character gives him a large bribe, um, which we talked about how he staples it in a, in a brown paper bag because he doesn't want anyone Like his game. lunch. Yeah, it looked like a like bag his of groceries. Yeah. yeah, like, um, did we skip over the, uh, when they get on the plane, they're loading the plane and they're singing, Oye, oye, vamos a Ugadi, vamos tutuesa. Uh, I don't know when that happened. Maybe. I love that. My friends and I would say that to each other all the time. Why do so you I love guess that? this was... I think it's hilarious. We just repeat it. We thought it was great. Oye, oye, vamos a Ugadi. Then the other people go, vamos tu tuesa. I have no idea what I'm saying. I could be saying something horrible. I could be <laughs> cursing someone out. I don't know. But it's, it was just sounded like a good, catchy. That that stuck in my head after I saw this movie. And years later, it's still, even if I didn't watch the movie this week, I if you if you said Congo, what do you remember from Congo? I, I guess I saw this movie. I'm more familiar with it than you, just from watching it so much on HBO yeah. years ago. I definitely would have sang that at some point if you I was just rambling on about this movie by myself. <laughs> All right, um, yeah, that, that might have already happened. I'm not sure when exactly. I remember that happening, but I don't remember the exact scene. Yeah. Um. So they um they. Go to, they have to cross the border to Zaire, I think it is. Um, Which Zaire no longer exists. I think it's called Central African Republic. I don't know. that those There are parts of Africa that are, you know, a mess. Yeah. Uh, so, back then and now. So, um, 
I could go into the history of the Congo with King Leopold and the Belgian Congo, but that would be probably for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Monroe reveals that Hamolka has led previous uh, search parties in search of the lost city of Zing, Zing, I think it is. Um, the way he says it is so... I can't even... I, yeah. I feel like a fool if I repeat it the way Zing, or whatever he does. Yeah. The diamonds, they are here, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> uh, but all of those ended badly. Um, then the uh, they're under fire by um, heat-seeking missiles by the from the That's army. That's a great scene. Yeah, um, with the, where they're flying and they're shooting, and Laura Linney and Ernie Hudson are aiming together. And they're shooting, shooting the flares to get the missile. heat-seeking missiles off I the I thought that plane. was really cool. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I like that. And then they all jump off the plane. No, I'm not jumping. Well, the pilot's left, so unless you know how to yeah. fly the plane, where you gotta well, get Well, yeah, I'll say, as cool as that scene is, it goes equally as bonkers when all of them jump out of a plane without even a question of how to use a parachute. You know Dylan Walsh's character never jumped out of a plane before. Uh, but he the had, same way you knew Dr. Moreau's character uh, <laughs> didn't know what he was doing when he was looking through a microscope. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Marlon I don't Brando believe for one and, second that Marlon Brando knew what he was doing looking using he didn't know how to use a microscope at all. No, Marlon Brando was looking at a menu through that microscope for, for his lunch <laughs> that order. That was funny. That was funny. Um but yeah, so you know, none of them know how to how to jump out of an airplane yet they all just have no problem doing it. The only one again, Tim Curry bringing his A game to this movie because he did he's the only one push that was me. like push me, push me cuz he he at least knew he didn't know how to do it. <laughs> and it's Atawale, oh, the guy from the guy from Oz who pushes him with the big laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So. He doesn't have many lines in this movie, but he's I guess. No, he's, he's good. Look, I liked a, him in the movie. He's a good presence in this. Yeah, you he gotta is. watch Oz. I know you've never seen Oz. It's it's fantastic and he is definitely memorable. And okay. so is Ernie Hudson. So everybody. It's it's a harrowing show, but a great show. So once they land um, they encounter a native tribe that leads them to Bob Driscoll, who is one of the a wounded member from the first expedition. Um, Played by he, another good actor, John Hawks, Academy okay. Award nominated actor. Yeah, skinny oh, really? guy, character actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. So. When he sees Amy, oh, uh, <laughs> so I forgot to mention that there was a tandem skydive with uh, Ernie Hudson and a drugged gorilla. Um, <laughs> 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 that they they stuck a pill in her banana. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, that happened too. Um, yep. th- that was in my notes. I, I told you before. I, I accidentally deleted my notes from this movie, so I'm just going off of memory and, and the Wikipedia summary. But yeah, we're winging it. I remember it well enough. So yeah, we're so okay. I, I do remember. I do. That was definitely written in my notes. The tandem skydive with a gorilla. By the way, no real gorillas or animals in this movie. They're all played by actors. Yes, the gray gorillas are play. I think it was Stan Winston who did the gorillas. Stan Winston did the gorillas, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they wanted to use the Jurassic Park team, so yeah. yeah. Um, Honestly, if anyone, I'm going to disagree with you, Rich. If anyone thought this was going to be on the same level as Jurassic Park, other than terms of, making but I money, think that's how it was. Then marketed. I think they're, you're, they're then they're all idiots. I don't think anyone had the same ambitions that. We're making the next Jurassic Park. I think Jurassic Park may have been the starting point because of the Michael Crichton based on a novel by the author of Jurassic Park. Well, and Frank Marshall, I think, produced Jurassic Park. Okay, but 
Frank Marshall can produce it. Frank Marshall's not Steven Spielberg. As a no, director. he I, knows I, it. I, you know it. We, no one, no, he will never. You, you know, even if he won uh, an Oscar somehow for I don't know, he he was trying to make a popcorn blockbuster. That's what this is trying to be. I don't. I mean, I don't think anyone was taking this too seriously. I'm not saying they were sleepwalking through it like Marlon Brando for a paycheck, okay? But I'm saying they were... This this wasn't... They weren't trying to win Oscars here, so... Uh, I'm not saying win Oscars, but I think this movie was marketed much more seriously than it should be taken. Because if that you take this be, movie and seriously... I remembered the trailer and got, you didn't, so that, yeah, that, that may be. You may be right about that. Um... Okay, so um, they end up, um, uh, they encounter um, so, oh, a native tribe that leads yes. them, like I said, to Bob Driscoll. Vamos Gascoll. a Vamos a God, Vamos yeah. a God or whatever they're chanting. By the way, this is supposed to be like a native tribe that never, like, you know, is like shut off from the world, yet they, they knew they've, enough. They've never seen white people or whatever. Yeah. Well, yet they knew enough that Ernie Hudson should not be a leader. He should be carrying their luggage to make that joke. <laughs> Good point. Okay, that's a, that's a flaw right there. Flaw on the screen. Well, I'm just there's there's lot. Listen, there's lots of flaws. I was just I just thought that one was interesting. Um, okay, All right. but anyway, um, so but when when this Bob Driscoll guy wakes up, he sees Amy approaching and literally scared like has like a heart attack or scares himself to death. <laughs> Screams <laughs> really. That's an epic scream, by the way. Yeah. I give him credit for that. But it's a pretty ridiculous death scene that he just screams and drops dead right L- there in that yeah. instant. Yeah, that's that was pretty lame. I um, thought that was lame back then too. Um, what about now? Did we get to the hungry, hungry hippos? No, uh, but that was in my notes, word for word. They end up in a game of hungry, hungry hippos. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um on th- uh so then they 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 blow up these boats um and out of nowhere just all start singing uh California Dreamin by the Mamas and Papas um yes <laughs> which was literally I mean do you think that that song do you think African natives know that song Yeah uh, American you? pop culture is huge so I wouldn't doubt that I, I But the Mamas yeah. and the Papas yeah I wouldn't Rich, I wouldn't doubt it if they if I was in Africa and people started singing a Spice Girls song, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Uh, our, our influence in pop culture is vast. Do you okay. like the mamas? Maybe and the not in, I like their hits. I don't know, you know, much beyond that. Are you a big mamas and papas fan? No, just the hits, but I do think that the hits are, are really good. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um uh, what's it? Dedicated to the one I love, which is a remake. I know they're not the first ones to sing that song, but I do like their okay. version of that. Okay, I would say California Dreamin' might be my favorite. That's probably yeah. That's so, well, that's their yeah. best one for sure. Monday. Yeah, now I'm thinking of all the other. Dennis Leary made a joke uh, about Mama Cass with the ham sandwich. So oh uh, yeah. Well, Austin Powers too. There was a joke about. Oh that. yes, Austin Powers. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Janis Joplin. Drugs. Cass Elliot. Ham sandwich. Ham sandwich. <laughs> um, all right. So then, uh, yeah. So then, like I said, they were they're, when they're blowing up the boats and getting ready to go by river. Uh, they um, they all start singing that song. I thought that was funny. Um, then they uh, 
the, uh, they believe that Amy or um, Homolka believes that Amy has been there because of his. I think this is when he reveals that you know she's going to take us there because she knows where it is because she's seen it because she drew that yellow eye and he reveals his ring and and all that. Yeah. Um, by the way, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but what a letdown that yellow eye was. It just looked like a normal eye. It didn't look like anything special. Yeah, and actually the city, the Olmec, it reminded me of, remember, Legends of the Hidden Temple? Yeah, I agree. Which was probably one of my favorite shows in 1994 or 95 on Nickelodeon. Uh, so that, that it was kind of like that. I was hoping for, like, you know, they'd have to go through a obstacle course and put a monkey together and the silver snakes and the barracudas and yeah. the purple parrots or whatever they were. Well, that I used to know all of those those teams, but it, it looked like that sort of uh, you know structure. Yeah, and that honestly that show makes more sense than this movie at times, so um, yeah, okay, fine, <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't know. I, you pick this movie, so if you don't like it, it's on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um so then, yeah, then they end up in a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos at night where literally hippos, <laughs> and then it looks like the game, too. Like, it's just you just see their mouths come out of the water. You just see big mouths come <laughs> out. It's to... very dark, so it's tough to see. Yeah. Yeah. There was also a scene where Amy knocks over the camera or whatever, running around, playing with uh, the Dylan Walsh's character. I think that happened before this, when they're blowing up the tents and all that. Oh, yeah, and that's when, um, and she was on the phone with uh, Joe Don Baker. Joe Don Baker, and he's screaming again. Screaming, and and he assumes that she was killed or something because it gets cut out, and and it sends another expedition out, which doesn't even make it out of the airplane. The plane gets shot down, um, (laughs) but plays a a crucial part in the plot uh, for them to get home. Um, so, um, so they end up finding the, uh, ruined camp, um, by the city of Zinge, um, Richard and a couple of the, um, porters are killed by a vicious gray gorilla. Yeah, his um, death is kind of, uh, you see him get attacked or off screen, but then you see him falling down the stairs. I thought that, you could tell that's definitely him, like, sliding down the stairs. Like, when you were a kid and the stairs yeah. were carpeted, you would do, I would do that at least, you mm-hmm. know, and slide down the stairs. It was kind of like, he looked like that, uh, screaming as he was dying. Um, well, so, and, yeah. and not only that, but, I mean, right before that was his the best scene of the movie for him, because it was the only time he really got a chance to have a scene. Uh, where he talks about, oh, Claude, that's an intru- that's an unusual name from someone from Mombasa. Have you been to Mombasa? <laughs> no? Then how would you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that was good. <laughs> but uh, that was really the only scene that he really gets to do anything in. And then next thing you know, he's running, screaming, bloody. And then the, the, the gray gorilla comes in and throws someone else's head. I guess it's the guy he was talking to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> throws his head in, at, at the people. Um, yep. And that scene is just so bizarre. It looks like such a B movie scene, doesn't it? It's like slow motion and blurry, and yeah, yeah, they were going for PG thirteen for one thing. Yeah, they wanted to make more money out of it, and uh, the slow motion the, 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 that didn't bother me at this part. I'll get to what bothers me as you keep going. So, okay, um, yeah. I'm interested to hear what bothers you. Because yeah, okay. um, this is when the bo- the movie starts to bother me the least. After this scene, I think the movie bothers me the least. Um, really? Okay. At, at the right. end. Um, well, I mean, listen, it has its issues, but... Yeah. Um, so, 
um, they end up uh, taking setting up their. I know they 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 kill the gray gorilla. Um, they know that it's you know v- vicious and and something's up with it, uh, but they're not sure exactly what. Um, they end up so they end up setting up this base camp, which is like you know there's like machine guns. And, lasers i mean where did all that stuff come from yeah yeah um, i don't know laura linney i guess yeah well yeah we, we missed a couple of parts where you hear the monkeys howling you know every gorilla that was that night yeah elvis presley yeah when the and mo- then also the, the 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 over-the-top delivery from tim curry we are watching you or whatever he says also at night i think that's the same scene well that's when he that's this that he all of a sudden he translated uh, million-year-old hieroglyphics that are on the walls and uh, instantly had a translation for them. Yeah. Um, and that's when he... Yeah, and he reveals that at this point that uh, it means they are watching you. Um, so, yeah, so when day breaks, they find Hamolka and several porters and Amy are all missing. Uh, they return to the city and find Hamolka exploring and surmise from the hieroglyphics that the city's inhabitants... Uh, specifically bred the gray gorillas uh, and encouraged their violent tendencies to guard the mine and kill anyone looking to steal the diamonds. So basically made the turn the gorillas into like guard dogs. So Um, thousands of years ago, King Solomon did that. And the ancestors of these gorillas are still Still following in those violent ways (laughs) and haven't, and haven't left that area. Um, (laughs) So uh, the group suspects that they turned on their masters yet still continue to protect the mine. Uh, that's why no one ever was able to find the mine, because no one, you know, even the masters were all, were all killed, and no one you know, knew where it was. Plus, and anyone that did find it was killed by these, uh, the, this group of uh, horrible gorillas. Um, they find the mine, and they are faced uh, with the troop of gray gorillas. There's like hundreds of them. Um, what did those gorillas remind you of when, when it's finally revealed and you get the up close shots of them? Old apes. I don't know. Like, old like what did the co- like, did it, did it remind you of another movie? Maybe one we've talked about. No, I'm thinking off the top of my head, that scene when Dracula turns into a monkey and has sex with that woman in Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Gary Oldman... Oh, I don't even know. I never saw that. (laughs) Okay, Anthony Hopkins, Winona Ryder. So, other than that, I don't know what what movie... Oh, they reminded me of the creatures in Dr. Moreau. Okay, all right. I wasn't thinking just that. Just the look of sure. them. I didn't think of that. And I thought you were going to say Winston. monkey shines. We did a lot with monkeys, I guess, in the past two yeah. seasons. Yeah, monkey shines. No, monkey. Um, that was a real monkey, though. This that was piece, just one monkey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think it looked like the hyena and like all the some of the creatures okay. from uh, yeah. Doctor. Yeah, and I think Stan Winston did those. He did. As well. Yeah, he did. Okay, so we're doing a lot of Stan Winston, the, mm-hmm. the lesser Stan Winston movies. Yeah, the ones he's not We proud haven't of. done Jurassic Park or Terminator 2 or Aliens, just the lesser Stan Winston yeah. movies. Okay. Um, so, where was I? Um, uh, so they find, yeah, the troop of Grey Gorillas. Homolka begins to collect diamonds, but then as, as soon as he does, his <laughs> basically his face is crushed. By one of the apes, uh, so that's the end of Homolka. Poor Tim funny Curry's scene character. with him grabbing all the diamonds. It's just like I'm gonna die. We all know it. Let's <laughs> let's let's give us a good death scene, and I think for PG-13 standards, they delivered it well. Yeah, um, yeah, you could tell it was definitely edited uh, conservatively. Yeah. Um, 
Monroe and uh, Karen and Peter flee deeper into the mine. They discover Jeffrey and Charles' bodies from the beginning of the movie uh, with the latter still holding that giant blue diamond in his hand. Um, And as Amy protects Peter, uh, who is getting attacked by the monkeys, all of a sudden Amy just starts talking to the monkeys and calls them ugly and they just stop attacking. Um, She roars also and then she uh, scares them away with her girlish I, her voice annoyed me i'll say that well yeah did her good. voice annoy you i think yeah. amy's voice was very annoying it was very i realize it's supposed to sound like a female and sound like a computer but it just wasn't it took away like here's a dramatic climactic scene it took away from that and i realize i understand but you know it's uh, okay this this bothered me a little bit but it's not the worst part of the movie i'll get to what i think was the worst part of the movie keep going okay um, the volcano begins to, um, oh, sorry, uh, Monroe fends off the other gorillas until Karen can, uh... Adebisi dies, or Adewale, that guy dies, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it was sad when he died. Um, yeah. and then Karen puts the diamonds into a portable laser, and she and is whoa. able to, <laughs> yeah, just literally, uh, start cutting all the gorillas in half with the laser and just starts annihilating them. I mean, it's like a lightsaber only coming out of a gun that can shoot to space. I mean, yes. it's insane. Yeah, that could cut through uh, rocks and everything. Yeah. yeah. So just cuts these gorillas right in half, bloodless uh, for the most part, because mm-hmm. you know it's PG thirteen. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But then when the volcano happens, go from there. Yeah. Then the the volcano also begins to erupt, and it has nothing to do with anything else. It just happens to be erupting at the same time. Um, then they all start running away, um, uh, and then the gorillas just start jumping into the lava. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Did you the, the, the climax here is only a letdown because the CGI lava really does not hold up. No. I think this looked bad even for 1995 standards. The laser looks cool. Yeah, the laser's fine. I was fine. surprised how good the laser still looks 27 years yeah. later. Okay, that was fine, and her mowing down the gorillas, just spraying them and cutting them in half with the laser, that still looked good. The lava looked atrocious. Uh, and I remember thinking it looked bad 20 years ago, okay? So it, it doesn't. That looks really bad, and that takes you out of the movie. Um, but in 1995, maybe this was state of the art. It certainly wasn't compared to Jurassic Park or True Lies, which came out years before it, which had a lot of CGI. So I think they just didn't put the same effort or didn't have the same staff or they just didn't. The the lava wasn't quite there yet. And I read that they wanted to do the gorillas completely CGI, but the technology wasn't there to do the fine hair the way they obviously you know duplicate that now all digitally so that's why they had you know actors in gorilla suits um and it shows and it's i don't think that doesn't take me out of the movie as much as the really fake lava and yes i put this down uh the cgi lava really does not hold up and the gray gorillas commit suicide like lemmings yeah <laughs> like, why what are that? They, well they just start jumping in the lava like they, they were doing like cannonballs into it <laughs> That was bad direction or bad editing or just bad. I'm sure they were told to look like they were falling or jumping in, but it 
in the final product, that doesn't look good. And that, to me, Rich, is the worst part of the movie. The CGI, volcano, lava, and climax, and the gorillas. It's comical when it should be serious. Yeah. If you're laughing at the raptors when they're chasing the kids around before the T-Rex shows up in Jurassic Park, you've got a problem. Okay? So, this was, you know, we shouldn't be laughing at this moment, but even in 1995, I think this was silly and humorous and once again proving my point that i don't think that i'm gonna give everyone credit that they're smart or smarter than us in terms of making movies and i don't think they thought they were making the next great you know jurassic park or true lies or you know i don't think they thought they were doing that so. Yeah, see, I don't know. I'm I'm I don't remember, but I I remember I felt like that this movie was marketed as a serious movie and a scary hey, Marketing a, is different. Marketing okay, fine because they wanted to make it look like was Jurassic Park marketed as scary? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the marketing you can if a movie markets itself one way and but, then it turns into something else, you can't hold that against the movie. No, but the but I I feel like that it was trying to be that way. And Jurassic Park was marketed as scary and it was a little scary. Like it, Cabin know. in the Woods was marketed as scary and I don't think they intended it to be scary, at least not after the first half. No, hour. and that's why I I was so disappointed, not disappointed. Well, then that, then that's your expectations. That's yeah. not the movie that they intended to make okay so no that's you can't i don't think you should i i wasn't no cabin in the woods i was not disappointed i was actually surprised that somebody actually went there with that Um, and i knew you takes a left turn and it stays there and yes so i mean just the way if i mean a lot of times they market movies wrong they market movies serious when they're supposed to be funny they market movies as funny when there's you know because they're like oh we have this actor in this movie let's market it as funny and it's not you know yeah but even if the whole movie was not like you said the ending was supposed to at least be serious i mean that's what this whole movie was building up to is seeing these gorillas which a, they weren't really scary. B, they were in it for about five minutes, and then they do cannonballs into a lava. <laughs> and then that's the if end the of it. If the lava looked better, I don't think I would have been as upset. All right. And then they run away, and then I, even the sets, when the volcano was erupting and the ground was shifting, it looked just... Clearly it looked, so, looked like sets. It yeah. looked so cheesy. It was that, it looked like a B-movie. Like it looked, I felt like I was watching... Uh, uh, what's that one? Plan Nine from Outer Space or whatever. Okay, I get, but once again, I guess maybe I like B movies more than you because I feel like I like more. I don't know, silly, low brow, low budget. I mean, yeah, I, this was not low budget, but, but that's this the was... thing. Yeah, like that—that's the thing. This wasn't low budget, so I'm not looking for that. If it was, and we knew that going in, I'd be like, oh, okay, this is, makes sense. But it wasn't. No, you so. don't even remember the trailers. But you're gonna say that it's the, you're gonna hold the marketing against this movie. I, I don't remember I don't the trailer, but I remember the marketing at the time because I remember being, you know, kid and, and thinking like this movie was not supposed to be silly or okay. a joke. Well, I enjoyed the performances for sure, especially Ernie Hudson. I liked all the performances. I think all the like I said, all the performances are fine. I I thought Tim Curry was going to end up not being Romanian and just drop that accent because it was, I mean, you got to admit that accent was 
silly at times. He went over the top, as <laughs> Tim Curry often does. He goes over the top in Home Alone, too. He doesn't have an accent, but he's over the top. Right, but that's Home Alone, too. And it fit. And yeah. it fit. Yeah, okay, he goes over the top in Clue. He goes over the top in... He's. He, this is what you get when you hire Tim Curry. If you didn't want him to do this, then you should have, A, not made his character Romanian, or B, not hired <laughs> Tim Curry. That's yeah. what it comes down to. You want Tim Curry, this is what you get. Um, all right, so the um, once they're eventually safe from the volcano and all the monkeys are dead, uh, Karen reports to Travis, uh, with Joe Don Baker, on finding the diamond and confirming Charles' death, and then she realizes that Travis was actually only interested in the diamond and doesn't care that his son is actually dead. Uh, she then uses her laser to destroy his satellite. No which surprises is, there. Yeah, yeah which is... Uh, I don't know, I guess how they make money, but we don't really know what's going on with the diamonds. No, it's anything. somewhere in space, and she yeah. shoots the satellite out. Really bad CGI there with the space shots. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's just screaming again in his little office. Once again, I'm sure he shot all those scenes in one day. Uh, yep. so. Got his check and got out of there. Forgot he even yeah. did this movie. Um, <laughs> Probably. He's still alive. I yeah. mean, he's very old, but he's still... Yeah. What's your favorite Joe Don Baker movie? Uh, Fletch. Oh, okay. I was going to say probably Cape Cape Fear. For Cape me. Fear is good too. He's he's in yeah. Cape Fear more than he's in Flesh. Significantly yeah. more. Yeah, I liked him in Cape Fear. I liked him in uh, oh, what else was he? Uh, the the Golden Eye and uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Hey, Jimbo he calls him Jimbo. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And he was also a villain in the James Bond movie Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton. Didn't like him as much in that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. All right. Um. And then they ride off in a balloon. They ride off in a hot air balloon. And yeah, and Amy goes with her gorillas, and isn't and they play the music, and it's beautiful sunsets, beautiful closing, you know, shots yeah. of photography, and the music. The what I like the ending song over the credits. Um, and is there anything else? No, you can just see how how sad uh, Dylan Walsh's character is that uh, Amy is leaving. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot going on in that in his in his facial expressions in that last scene there, <laughs> okay. um, when she's she she immediately leaves him for the silverback gorilla. Um, more, more sad about that than all the people that just died. Exactly. That he knew. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah, they they fly away in a hot air balloon. Now my question is, is that hot air balloon going to be a target for the uh, heat seeking missiles? That I didn't think airplane. about that, but I suppose it, it could be. Yeah, I suppose it could be. So. I mean, they're sitting but ducks in that thing. Con- yeah, that's basically Congo, that's right? That's it. That's Congo. Okay, so um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to add. I mean, I stand by that this was a, you know, stupid, fun popcorn blockbuster. I was able to shut off my brain and enjoy the acting and the effects and the cinematography and, uh, you know, the great action and adventure scenes in the jungle, okay? Other than the climax where you said this is the bit, the part where you had the least amount of problems, that was the part where I had the most amount of problems because all your criticisms are valid. But other than that, all the other action scenes, all the other, you know, explosions and fighting and shooting, I thought that was all really good. So, um, yeah, maybe I'm a sucker for 
action movies that take place in the jungle, because I like that about Island of Dr. Moreau. I like that about this movie. I realize they're both flawed, especially Dr. Moreau. Even if you don't like this movie, you've got to admit Congo is way better than Dr. Moreau. Well, it is, because it's it's Con- coherent to a point, although this movie is a bit of a mess. The plot is, is kind of never really fleshed out. Um, it, who, who bought a ticket to see this for the plot? No, but I'm not saying you see it for the plot, but you expect at least a coherent plot. It could have, uh, it could have okay. gone more. It, it felt like there was more to it than what we got. And I don't know if it and was in the intended. book there is in the book there is, but I then they sacrificed. I guess they sacrificed plot for effects, and they they did that in Jurassic Park too. Have you ever read Jurassic Park? No, but the Jurassic Park movie is very good. Oh, I know you well, all like not it, everyone's uh, Ste- not yeah, but not everyone's Steven yeah. Spielberg. Still, give credit where credit is due. I mean, if Spielberg directed every movie, the world would be a better place. Okay, <laughs> but he can't. He's only one man. So I just you know uh, he this uh, yeah this is way better than the Island of Doctor Moreau. To me, I like as a guilty pleasure. This, I know it's flawed, but I still like it. Mannequin is flawed. Of course. But it's still fun, okay? So Congo, def- Congo is definitely a better movie than Mannequin in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. To me, it's it's a fun... Do you, have, what, do you have... When you think of an action movie in the jungle, what's your favorite movie that comes to mind? Can you think of any? Uh, Predator is a good one. Yeah, Predator would be my number one yeah. if you took it right out of my mouth. And that's just off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm sure there are others. But that's, yeah. I, I'm sure there's other great ones, I'm sure, you know, but this would be, you know, it's not Predator, but it's certainly better than Island of Dr. Moreau. It's not Jurassic Park. Also, that's a jungle action movie. I even movie, liked, uh, yeah, that's a jungle action movie, yeah, which is good. I even liked Kong Skull Island. I thought that's a really good You like that more than I did. We both like that, but yeah. I know you like that one more than I did. Um, yeah, I guess some of the Rambos, Rambo 2, Rambo 4, both take place in, mm-hmm. you know, Vietnamese and Thailand, uh, jungle locales. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's not a real big mistake. It's fun. It's stupid. It's certainly not a worst movie of the year. What are the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes? What's the critic score and the audience question. score? Because uh, I don't think 20, we went over yeah, that. Yeah, 22% critic and 29% audience. Wow, so low on both ends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so time has not been kind to Congo is what it shows. Uh, Roger Ebert did give this three stars and thumbs up, and if you listen to him or read his review, I would sort of echo his sentiments. I think it was a great role for Ernie Hudson. Once again, by today's standards, Ernie Hudson would have been cast in that role and they would have made a big deal that he's African-American. Here, it didn't matter. He's your great white hunter who happens to be black, and mm-hmm. he's fantastic. And I, like we said in my our Blade podcast, I guess I like that where they don't make race a big deal because I feel that they're doing it in service here. It just, it is what it is. He's the good guy. You follow him along, you like him, and that's that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I did this. Movies nowadays are too heavy handed. I guess this made me, you know, nostalgic 
for, you know, not just because I saw it with friends at a birthday, you know, thing for me, but it made me nostalgic for when, I guess, blockbusters were maybe not as PC, but still more simple, okay, before cancel culture, before woke culture, when movies were just allowed to be movies, um, and we were allowed to make movies that weren't part of a franchise or hoping to start a franchise or anything like that. So um, I'm not sure if there were really plans for Congo 2. I guess if this was, you know, a $300 million, you know, earning movie, maybe they would have done that. But yeah, well, I maybe this movie was just fine. Yeah, maybe the, the studio probably would have pushed for that. Um, but they did. There was a big marketing campaign for it. There was toys and everything. So there was definitely a push for it to be bigger than I think what it was. Uh, I think, I think it was, even though it made money, it wasn't the, um, success that it was supposed to be. Correct. Um, It wasn't Die Hard with a Vengeance, which came out that summer. It wasn't, uh, Batman Forever, which came out that summer or Apollo 13, which came out that summer. Um, so yeah, I mean, so, all right, well, well, I liked it. Okay. So you, yeah, not a, not a real big mistake for you. Um, for me, I mean, it's really about how you go into this. If you go in looking for a serious movie and I mean, there's just too many plot holes, not enough, uh, of a story and to, you know, it's just bizarre at times. Um, but if you go into it, not expecting something as, you know, serious and just are looking for a fun popcorn flick, uh, and, and don't take it too seriously, then, you know, I don't think it's a real big mistake because it does have fun times and fun moments. Uh, so really, like most things, it depends on how you look at this movie. I just wish I knew what the intent was because there are times when I think the intent was that this is a serious movie and take it seriously. And then there are times when I think that, like you said, this is a just a fun movie and don't take it too seriously. Um so I wish Let I knew Tim Curry, Delroy Lindo and Ernie Hudson lead the way. I think Delroy yeah. Lindo's scene alone is enough for me to say it's not a real big mistake. That is such a fun scene. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the fence here. Um, I, again, I, I like, I'm going to, I'm going to give my younger self some credit because I did like this movie when I was younger and saw it for the first time. So I'll say it's not a real big mistake. Okay. Um, but <laughs> It easily could be, and if you <laughs> look at this movie the wrong way, it's you're gonna hate it. Uh, but if you look at it a different way, you could just enjoy it and, and have fun with it. And there are some shut your brain off and yeah. have fun, okay? And, and like like a lot of people do with these Marvel movies, okay? Do you think this is more uh, less uh, realistic or less you know plot holes than the average Marvel blockbuster? I don't think so. No, no, no. And and so yeah. It is, you know, 20 years from now we might look back at all these movies and say, "Oh my god, they're so silly, they're so stupid." But people love them. People, you know, and if I was a 12-year-old, I would probably love whatever new Marvel stuff is coming out now that I I mean, there's I, all the superheroes that I know have gotten their own movies. Okay? Yeah. So now we're up to like the all the A-level superheroes, Batman, Spider-Man, yeah, now they're Superman. on like D-level. D, I was going to say, then they did Iron Man, Captain America, Incredible Hulk. Okay, that's B-level. 
Then they did Black Widow and Ant-Man and I don't even know who else. Captain Marvel. That's C-level. Shazam. Now they're on D-level. Yeah, okay, Shazam. What the heck is that? Okay. (laughs) I've never heard of these people. Not in my youth, not in my adulthood, but all of a sudden they're getting movies with huge followings. Aquaman, okay. That's as D-level as you can get as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're at that level with superhero movies. But whatever, people like them. And if we were 12, Rich, you and I would probably like them too. So, yep. all right. So uh, that's it for Congo. Let's wrap up our. Uh, I know you said you wanted to have a season our two season, kind of recap. Yes. Yeah, quick recap. Oh, first of all, a melancholy happy trails to William Hurt. Rest in peace. He passed away today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that on the news. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any favorite William Hurt movies? He worked with our buddy Lawrence Kasdan a lot. Did he? Yeah, The Big Chill. Um, Broadcast news, but that wasn't Lawrence Kasdan. I Love You to Death, which was Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, what else did he do? I feel like he did some. No, I don't have. I, don't, I mean, I think I saw The Big Chill once. Um, okay. I, I feel like I would like it if I saw it again. I just don't ever yeah, see it yeah. anywhere. You would love the soundtrack. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, all those Motown songs and classic rock songs. Um, he, you know, I liked him in Altered States. I like, I feel like in the 80s, he was a big actor. He got, he won an Oscar for Kiss of the Spider Woman that was nominated three years in a row. Children of a Lesser God, Broadcast News. Um, I thought he was really good in Changing Lanes. He got an Oscar nomination years later for the Cronenberg movie, A History of Violence. Um, mm-hmm. So an interesting actor. Body Heat was another big movie with him. Uh, so, yeah, he's... Uh, I always liked his work. I feel like he was, you know, a smart, sophisticated actor. I do remember hearing, I think, Marley Matlin. That was his girlfriend at the time, and he was a big cokehead. So yeah. I guess that doesn't help your longevity. Um, but uh, you're only 71. So, all right. A couple quick questions to recap for the season. Favorite movie from season two? Do you have any? Ooh, uh, you go first. Maybe Tommy Boy. I like Natural Born Killers a lot. I liked Kingpin a lot. I liked Monkey Shines. Um, but I might say, and I loved Blade. I had so much fun watching Blade. Uh, but I might say, or I'm going to go with Tommy Boy. I think Tommy Boy has a special place in my heart. So the fact that we got to do a podcast on that uh, was, was really nice. What about you? Least, least favorite movie for you. Well, okay, my least favorite. For this, uh, yeah. Th- you know what? It would probably be one of the ones I picked. I think the only two times I said we saw a real big mistake. Yeah. But once again, I'm glad I saw them because they're interesting failures. Uh, Fight Club, which I, I guess, yeah, you know, I didn't like it in 1999. Mm-hmm. I still don't like it now for the same reasons. And The Master, I didn't like it when I first saw it. But I, uh, you know, so uh, the, the one of those two. Maybe The Master, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for me, favorite movie would probably be a Tommy Boy or Step Brothers. Oh yeah, Step Brothers. Yeah, you really love that. Um, worst movie is easily Natural Born Killers. For me. Oh man. Okay. Well, but you got to give it credit. See, that's okay. So now my next question: Anything you learned from this season? Um, anything I learned at all? Anything new? Yeah. Um, that comedies are uh often uh the ones that i think are should be um you know praised are often rotten 
Okay. Okay. And there's yeah, a lot more that we two. that we didn't do Home that Alone I could have. Two, yeah. Ace Ventura, another great one. Tommy Boy, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Step Brothers, all the Kingpin. Kingpin. Okay. Yeah. All the, I think Kingpin. Spies like be, us. Yeah. Spies like us. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of strong. Yeah. This was almost. <laughs> I mean, we did 20 uh, episodes this season. I mean, what 14 or 15 of them may have been comedies. Yeah. So, no, we did a lot um, of horror in the beginning. Yeah, just for the one month, but yeah, still, Ghostbusters 2 was one of your horror movie selections, so let's just uh, (laughs) remind people of that. Uh, And we did a James (laughs) Bond movie as well. Um, But also, I feel like I had nothing, you know, very few rotten movies. I think those, the only two movies I said were legit rotten were the two that I picked that I knew going in, well, you know, the interesting to talk about, and they were. And you pat me on the back with how I feel about The Master, and we're both kind of like, you know, eh, whatever about Fight Club. So, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, do you feel from doing this podcast, this is my last question for you, unless you have anything else you want to add, mm-hmm. do you feel from doing this podcast you are more open to different types of movies now after doing this? Uh, not yet. Okay, not yet. So I still got to work a little bit because one day I'm going to pick Mad Max Fury Road <laughs> or hope that you pick it because it's that's like a 94, 95% on here, I think, or at least yeah, it it's high. Be. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and it was on a lot of best of the decade lists. And I know that would be a, a, a very big, bold decision for you to pick that and go through watching that again. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm still, yeah. I still have my, my favorites. Haven't had you still have uh, yeah. your genre trappings that you can't get around yeah. certain genres. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, we'll try right. to open that and broaden those horizons a little bit. But uh, yeah. yeah, all right, all right. So that does it for this episode and this season, right? Yep. All right. We'll so... probably reconvene sometime, maybe uh, September or something. Yeah. All right, so uh, that does it for us. Uh, we can be found, uh, again, my name is Rich Tola. We can be found on Facebook and, I'm sorry, not Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at uh, Real Big Mistakes. And be sure to uh, like. And wait, which one is Real Big Mistake? Uh, that's Twitter, but if you search Real Big Mistakes, it'll come up. So. Oh, okay, okay, good to know. All right. Yeah, um, so uh, make sure you uh, rate and um, comment. Uh, rate and review if you listen on apple podcasts and um you know tell your friends about us and please feel free to send any suggestions of movies you would like us to review it doesn't matter if we've seen them or not uh we could definitely uh do one word and neither one of us has seen it so Mm -hmm. um that's it for me this season all right, and I'm Jason Konigsberg of PanandSlam.com. You could listen to all of our podcasts and read all my reviews at www.panandslam.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jason K. Critic, and live long, prosper, and watch movies. All right, thanks for hanging with us.